Welcome to the Aggie Parent and Family Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Jones, the Transition Parent and Family Coordinator here at Utah State University. Today we have with us Michelle Bogdan. Holt, nailed it, on the show. Michelle's the director for the USU Inclusion Center here on the Logan campus. Michelle received her bachelor's degree in social and behavioral science from University of Utah. Nice. And her master's degree in American studies from Utah State University. So, Michelle, it's great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. Well, welcome. So, Michelle, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how long you've been at USU, and what brought you here? Absolutely. So, I am a proud first-generation college student. Um, I come from a long line of hardy people, immigrants, who actually came to Utah to find their dream and ended up um, settling here. Um, I moved to Logan, Utah 15 years ago and have just celebrated my 15th year here at Utah State University. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been, um, it's been an incredible experience. Um, as you mentioned, yes, I, my, I started off at the University of Utah and earned a bachelor's degree in behavioral science and health and um, kind of went out into my career and um, took some twists and turns. Started off in corporate America and landed in social work. So prior to coming to Utah State, I was a social worker and worked in Colorado, Utah, Philadelphia, and then um, decided to come back to Utah. Um, About five years ago, six years ago, I decided to start a graduate program as a full-time employee at Utah State University. And at the time, a single parent of a little spitfire by the name of Lily. So I actually completed my graduate degree in 2015 in American Studies. I started off here as an academic advisor and um, transitioned to a position working with women um, in the Women's Resource Center as a director and then was asked to start what was known at the time as the Access and Diversity Center um, and get that program up and going. And then just this past year, we decided to change our name to the USU Inclusion Center. So could you tell us more about your role at USU today? Absolutely. So I am currently the director of the Inclusion Center, but I'm also the non-traditional, also known as Adult Learner Program Coordinator. Um, I wear a couple of hats. Um, I also help to um, address issues of bias. Um, If a student experiences bias, that I am the person that um, a student would want to go to so I could help intervene and provide resources. Um, I'm also involved in a lot of the other incredible initiatives that are happening right now on campus to increase diversity, inclusion, and equity. So I like to say I kind of have my kind of have my fingers in a couple of different pots. But for the the purpose of this particular podcast, we do a lot of work in our office to support adult learners and non-traditional students. And part of that is to collaborate not only with our campus partners but our community partners to um, encourage students who are interested in returning to school um, to come and and, and connect with us so that we can help support them. Um, As part of that, I am the liaison between um, our program and CAPSA. So if um, if someone who has experienced um, intimate partner violence or transitioning out of a relationship and wanting to come back to school, I am usually that person that um, they connect with. Um, In addition, I am the Olean Walker Scholarship Mentor 
an advisor, and basically that is a scholarship for kids who have aged out of the foster care system, but are entitled to um, stipends to help them achieve their educational goals. So on average, I have about seven to eight of those students that I also work with. Um, I, my primary mission, though, is to support and encourage students and be the best mentor and advisor to our interns, work studies, and staff in our office. So you had mentioned that you all have gone through a couple of name changes, yeah. and I know a lot of times parents will hear the term inclusion. Could you unpack what exactly do you all mean by that, and who all does it include? Oh, absolutely. You know, there, as you know, there are so, when you think of the word inclusion, it, it conjures up so many different definitions. What we like to do is just simplify it. Um, you know, diversity is having seats at the table, everyone from a variety of backgrounds. Inclusion, in my opinion, are not only do people have a seat at the table, they have a voice at the table mm. and their voice matters. Mm. So we want to be as inclusive as possible. So that means that anyone and everyone is welcome in our office. Um, our primary mission though is to support and advocate for adult learners, women, um, the, uh, members of the LGBTQIA community, multicultural students, and we also have interfaith students that we also work with. But we want to be as an inclusive of an environment as possible. So we always tell students that, you know, if you're not, if you aren't Native American, that's perfectly okay. <laughs> you can get involved with what we have going on to support and celebrate Native American indigenous culture. I mean, that's just a prime example. Um, our adult learners, can also be some of the most um, diverse students by virtue of they come from all walks of life deciding to return to school. Um, but the primary, um, you know, we, we look at, again, best practices for how we describe a non-traditional or adult learner. And that is typically someone who has had a three to five year gap from the time they first attended um, higher ed to the time they've come back or from high school to higher ed. In addition, they tend, but not always, be about 25 years or older and oftentimes are responsible for some someone else aside from just themselves. They may also sometimes work part-time to full-time. And like I said prior, they are also caregivers. Um, we include veterans in that definition as well. So that is um, hopefully in a nutshell, um, kind of kind of how what our center does. We have several programs. So everybody is kind of, just so that we are clear for everybody, we have the adult learner program, which was formerly the non-traditional mm -hmm. student program. We have the gender and sexuality program, which was formerly known as the LGBTQ program. We have the multicultural student Student program, which was all we always had that program, but we decided to pull out Indigenous student program programming because, as we know, we are sitting on Indigenous land and we speak right now, and we want to make sure that we acknowledge and honor that, as well as provide as much as many resources as we possibly can to support Indigenous students. They tend to be our lowest population percentage-wise um, seeking higher ed. So we wanted to make sure that we were really intentional in providing them support and resources. 
lot of times uh, when we're at different events or open houses, people will see the term clubs and they'll see the term programs. What is kind of the difference? When we refer to programs, that means that those are intentionally designed programs through our office following best practices that support the cultural and social um, growth of our students. In addition, we also want to provide opportunities for all of our um, campus um, staff, faculty, and students to learn more about different cultures. Um, as you probably know, we, we live in a pluralistic society. and. Um, you know, we may think we live in this quiet little town in northern Utah, um, but we may not all stay here and work here. So we think it's really important for all of our students to have that experience of being around folks from all different cultures and all different backgrounds to prepare them for when they go out into their careers and, and have successful careers. In addition, of course, we have a strong social justice theme that runs through everything that we do. So of course, it is also my hope that when students take this incredible education that they've gained from Utah State, that they go out to their communities and make a difference. And a lot of times, you know, we hear there's the gender and sexuality program that you mentioned, the multicultural program, indigenous program, and... I'm so sorry, Isaiah left one out, women and gender. Women and gender, oh no. <laughs> that was a recent change. Right. Excuse me, it's Friday of the first week. <laughs> it is. And my apologies to Sarah for forgetting. But yes, over the summer, um, we had another transition um, where we had a, the women and gender um, studies. We also had the Center for Women and Gender, the, the office. And um, that has made, there's been some really um, positive changes with that. And part of that was it, we wanted to really address and increase the level of intersectionality with mm -hmm. all of our programs. So we know that a student doesn't just show up to campus as an adult learner. They may also be members of other communities, and we wanted to make sure that our programming was reflective of that. So we now have um, Sarah Timmerman, who is fantastic in our office, and the program is the Women and Gender Program, and again, it's by virtue of the name, it's to support women um, coming back to school as well as providing um, best practices for women and gender studies. Maybe you could tell us just a little bit about that. That program's really great. I've talked to Sarah here and there, and she is amazing. Maybe tell us a little bit about uh, that program and the Indigenous sure. program, how parents and students can get involved. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things, and, and you had mentioned earlier about clubs, I'm sorry. Um, so I talked briefly about our programs, but each program serves and supports a student club that is related to that program. All of the um, student clubs, though, of course, are sponsored by the Inclusion Center with the help of student fees. So thank you, students, for the student fees. Um, so we have seven student clubs under our office. Um, it's the Asian Student Association, Polynesian Student Union, Black Student Union, um, Native American Student Council, the Latinx Student Union. We also have the Interfaith Student Association, the Queer Student Association, and then under, under the Women and Gender Program, Perspectives is the student club that is underneath the Women and Gender Program. And then under the adult learner, non-traditional student, we have a non-traditional student association. So say that five times. <laughs> um, right. So under the women and gender programming, um, 
Sarah just does this really incredible job of programming that um, honors and acknowledges female identifying members of our community. She's also really mindful of collaborating um, with other program coordinators and other programs to make sure that that program also reflects intersectionality and inclusion. Um, so she has brought up some really incredible speakers to campus. Um, she also sponsors brown bags for folks to come together. She works very closely with our faculty and staff to make sure that programming reaches as broad of an audience as, as we possibly can. And then she teaches classes in the Women and Gender Studies Certificate Program, advises those students who are seeking the Women and Gender Certificate, as well as be, be a mentor and advisor to the prospective student club. Everyone is welcome, female, <laughs> male, non-binary, everyone's welcome. It, so she is a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's a rock star. Well, I'm glad you brought up student fees, because that's one of those things mm -hmm. where sometimes mm -hmm. parents will see the fee oh, and they're like, what absolutely. is this coming from? But Absolutely. more reasons to get involved when it's going there anyways. Absolutely. Might as well jump in. Yeah, so, you know, when we're thinking about um, sending our, our, our family members, and by the way, I'm a mom of a 23-year-old, so I, I kind of have a little, <laughs> little bit of experience about this whole parent thing. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's not cheap to, to, to get um, a degree. And sometimes it's very easy to look at it from the perspective of you're going to school and you're, you're going to classes and you're going to get that degree and you're going to move on. And why are we paying all of these student fees? And we want to be able to provide the most well-rounded experience for a student and give students options and access to all the services and opportunities for involvement. You know, best practices show, research shows that if you are involved, if you are engaged, if you are at least connected to one person or one group or one club or one program, you are way more likely to stay and, mm. and finish your degree. So I do think it's a solid investment. Student fees are a great investment, but we would not be able to do all the programming that you see when you're walking around on campus, all those posters and flyers without student clubs. And student clubs need that student fee money to be able to pull off all of the incredible things that they do. Yeah, one of the things with student orientation and transition services, and then more particular parent programs, one of the things that we're always talking about is our we have our big questions. And our third big question kind of has to do with what resources are available and so forth. But embedded in that is really about belonging. And so would you say that a, one of the primary goals, and you alluded to this earlier, but the Inclusion Center's goal is really that students and parents feel like they belong at USU. Absolutely. And particularly for adult learners and non-traditional students, you know, I've had this experience firsthand and I work here. It can feel a little isolating when you are in a classroom and you may have other priorities aside from just your academics and you're looking around and your classmates may or may not be under the age of 21 sure. and you may be the only parent in that classroom and that can feel isolating and so we want to make sure that all students that's just an example we want to make sure that all students feel like they have a welcoming environment and a place to, to go where we understand we support and we cheer them on 
So how would you say, like, how could families support the Inclusion Center? Do you recommend all students getting involved in the USU Inclusion Center in some way? But what are some ways that they could get started? Absolutely. When um, we're talking about students, I think the most important thing, if I could ask, um, if I had an ask, it would be help debunk the myth that you have to be from a particular student group to be able to get involved in the Inclusion Center. Um, I think sometimes, and, and I've actually heard folks when, they, when they're walking down, the, I sometimes eavesdrop, and it's like, oh, that, that office is for, and then list three or four groups. It's not, it's actually for everyone. Um, so we would encourage that people to get involved. Um, help us promote the center so that the student who may really need to get connected knows about who we are and that might come from a peer you know so um, if, if students could go out and and promote uh, promote the center for, for starters but we do some really fun events so if you're sitting home on a Thursday Friday Monday Tuesday Wednesday night and you're like I'm bored and I don't know what to do we have some really incredible events that go on that are fun and welcoming and also educational. Learning about another culture is really fascinating. And um, being around folks that you may not normally have been around in your life, it's a really awesome thing. And that raises the question, what is your favorite USU inclusion event and why? Oh, I can't pick <laughs> I, um, I am just so, so honored and I am so privileged, first of all, to work with such an amazing group of people right off the bat and and to see students who are just so passionate and so dedicated and so excited to share their culture and to share their experience and they work so hard. I sometimes am just blown away about why, you know, regarding why, how a student can go to school full time, sometimes work, and then put on these events. They take a lot of time. I can tell you some of the biggest events. Um, one that is going to be coming up this spring is the powwow, and this year will be 48 years. This university has been putting on the powwow. Um, a lot of folks will say that the HAL is the largest event. I would say that we are probably right up there, if not right behind the HAL, because it is a community event, and folks come from all over to participate, to dance, to um, celebrate, but we have a big community turnout because it's such an incredible opportunity. It's in, it's in, it's family friendly, so I'll see lots of adult learners and non-transmits who bring their kids up to this event, because it's fun. So. I won't say which one is my favorite. <laughs> They're all really amazing. Sure. But I love to see folks come out for the powwow and Fiestas Americas and the Luau mm. and Black Soul I mean Soul Food Dinner from mm. the Black Student Union and so it's just really, really awesome. And so it sounds like one of the benefits for students and parents being involved with the Inclusion Center is it really does deepen their experience at USU. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, also gives um, their students an opportunity to engage with folks who may have a different opinion or a different worldview. And I think that that is so incredibly important. If we can be in spaces 
where we may all have a different worldview, but we will all eventually find common ground. I think that's a beautiful thing. I was bruising on the, the website. It looks like there's a lot of scholarship opportunities, which parents are always interested oh, yeah. in. Um, what sorts of scholarship opportunities are available sure. for students and, in the program? And if I may interject, I say yes. before I share that, we, because we changed our name, we mm -hmm. also had to look at all of our PR marketing. And one of mm. those things is our website. So our website isn't where we'd like it to be mm -hmm. but we have a whole team working on it and so we should be previewing our new website here within about the next month oh great um, but currently the scholarships that are listed on the website are um, up to date oh great so part of our center we have an endowment and yes we do have scholarships that will support multicultural students as well as non-traditional adult learners and we are on the same schedule as the rest of the campus mm. so um, i'm sure everyone by this point has heard of awards bringing in the scholarship office so all of our scholarships are listed on our website but they are also through the um, scholarship office as well so that window i believe has opened for students to go on and apply for scholarships. So our scholarships are on the same website as all of the other scholarships. But we have about 52 scholarships in our office. We on average award about 60 to $70,000 a year oh, wow. in scholarship funding, usually to about 35 to 40 students. So yes, we strongly encourage students to apply for our scholarships. So if a student's interested in scholarships or just the Inclusion Center in general, do you recommend they just come upstairs and stop by? Absolutely, I think I would encourage folks who haven't been in our office to stop by any time just to see what we have going on. Um, but yeah, if there's any questions about scholarships, they can go on our website, they can email, give us a call, and come into our office. And I'm always looking for an office in our office just to see what we have. We have lounges, we have computers, we have free printing, we have a kitchen that you can store your lunch. Well, that's nice. So, yeah, absolutely. So what would you say are maybe the top two or three things that uh, you'd want parents and families to know about the Inclusion Center? I think that we are a hub of resources. So aside from getting providing opportunities for their students to become engaged, we also we are we are very knowledgeable about all of the resources that are on campus. So even if their student it may not be interested in getting involved in a student club, but might be struggling academically, we know who to call and we know how to get their student connected. Um, we have developed really great relationships with our partners throughout campus. So. We can find, help find internship programs. We can help students get connected with career services. We can work with faculty if students need that intervention. So I like to, to say that we view our office as a hub of resources. We also, say, we also want parents to know that it's a really great way for their students to get involved and to learn about different cultures and to learn and meet people from Background. It's that time of the time of the podcast where we usually ask a question that we frequently get in our office. So the question is this: the student has just gotten back from their they're they're happy to be back, but they're going to be off campus, and they're wondering can they still be involved if they're not here on campus? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, just because they are taking classes online, they are still an Aggie. 
they are part of this Aggie community and anyone and everyone is welcome to participate in our program and reach out for help, reach out for support. Even if you are an online student and I have never met you in person, please email me <laughs> and I will get you connected to the resources that you need. I do not see an online student any differently than a student who is here on main campus. Well, Michelle, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming by. Yes. Thank you. We'll definitely have you back. So thank you everyone for listening to the Aggie Parent and Family Podcast.